This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Exodus, the book of Exodus, book of Numbers, and then Isaiah. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit in the, in the Old Testament, um, Exodus chapter 1. If there's one phrase that I've heard more than any other in the last couple of months, it's the phrase... And you could actually fill in the blank for me. I can hardly wait for things to get back to normal. Or another variation of that same phrase is, I'm just ready for some normalcy. Now, I'll admit that in, in some aspects, I do long for normalcy. I almost feel cheated because the NCAA March Madness Tournament never happened. Even though I don't watch a lot of college basketball, I, I, I still um, I like it in the background. I, I, I still enjoy keeping up with who made it to the Sweet 16, who goes to the Elite Eight and Final Four and the championship game, and that's what's normal this time of year, but it never happened. And then baseball season, and I really don't follow baseball much. It's too slow of a sport for my attention deficit, but I'm always interested to see if the Royals will reach 100 losses in the season. And if they'll be the worst team in baseball or just the second worst team, that's normal. <clears throat> this is also uh, Everest climbing season. I mean, typically the months of April and May are spent acclimatizing, and, and climbers who have trained for years and, and raised money for years for this $75,000 opportunity, they gradually work their way up the mountain. And, and I have different websites that I normally go to, and I track the climbers to see where they are on the mountain but this year, Everest is closed due to the coronavirus. I miss the normalcy of the Everest climbing season. I also miss my, my normal weekly racquetball night at the YMCA in Nevada. That gives me two hours of intense workout with some great guys. They kind of pick on me. I'm the old man of the group, but I love that time. I need that time. But again, not happening right now. So there, there are several aspects of, of my life where I find myself just like you making that statement, I can hardly wait for things to get back to normal. But have you really thought about what you're saying when you talk about getting back to normal? I mean, if you could rewind three months or so of your life back to what someone called B.C., before Corona. You know, B.C., before Corona arrived in, in Cedar County and St. Clair County and, and Vernon County, do you remember what normal was in your life? I mean, three, three months seems so long ago, and I think you've forgotten what normal was. So let me remind you what normal was. Normal for many of you was feeling that you didn't have enough hours in the day to get everything done. Normal was thinking, if I can just make it to the weekend, I can kind of catch my breath. Normal, for some of you, was the feeling that you were broke all the time and wondering how you were going to pay the bills, how you were going to be able to pay for a new set of tires on your car. Normal was crashing into bed at night, totally exhausted, and then feeling, <clears throat> then way too few hours later, dragging yourself out of bed, stumbling to the coffee pot, hoping some caffeine would jumpstart your day. Normal for some of you was feeling like nobody cared. 
aloneness. Normal was, and this hits really close to home for some of you. You know who you are. But normal for some of you was cutting yourself to cover up the emotional pain in your life. Normal for some of you was the continual fight with those thoughts of taking your life. Normal for some of you was trying to drown your troubles in illegal or even prescription drugs or or alcohol. Normal for some of you men, maybe even some of you women, was to lust over pornographic images, then, then hating yourself because of it, but then doing it all over again a short time later. Normal for many of you was a marriage that was full of tension and full of arguing, or, or maybe there wasn't arguing, it was just silence and distance. Normal for some of you was going to a job that you hated, working with coworkers that you couldn't stand, dealing with customers that got on your nerves, or teaching kids that you love but dreading the interaction with annoying parents. Normal was always rushing to ball games and practices, wishing that you had a calm evening at home. Normal for some of you was, was, was being stressed to the max, having to take some pills to help you relax and sleep. I think for many of us, we've forgotten what normal was, and so, so we say, I'll be so glad for things to get back to normal. And really, when we say that, here's what I think we're saying. I think we're saying, I can hardly wait to get back to my routine. I, I can hardly wait to get back to what is familiar because we don't like what's unfamiliar, do we? And, and very few things are familiar right now. The stay-at-home order wasn't familiar. I don't ever remember in, in our country, in my lifetime, having a stay-at-home order. Now, when I lived in another country, in South America, stay-at-home orders were fairly common. But this is unfamiliar in America. The, the social distancing guideline is unfamiliar. I didn't even know what social distancing was until two months ago, and you didn't either. And, and today, even though we're having church services in our building, first time in two months, but the way we're doing things is not familiar. I mean, blocking off every other row? Unfamiliar. Asking people to leave three empty chairs between family units? Unfamiliar. Look at all these empty chairs. We're basically at capacity right now with the guidelines of the governor. I encouraging people to wear a mask in church? Unfamiliar. Telling people not to shake hands? Unfamiliar. Telling people that if they don't feel comfortable coming to church, then encouraging them to stay home? Unfamiliar. No coffee before church? Unfamiliar. Unforgivable almost for some of you. No donuts? Some of you are considering switching churches because of that. Unfamiliar. So when we say, I can hardly wait for things to get back to normal, I think we mean, I can hardly wait for things to get back to what is routine or familiar, even though for most of us it wasn't ideal, it wasn't healthy, it wasn't God's plan for us, but that's what we remember and so we're longing for what was normal, or some of you used to say, longing for the good old days. Well, this whole thought has been kind of 
circling around in my mind. And, and after reading excellent articles by a couple of authors, uh, bloggers, Jason Inman and, and Trent Ham, and as well as listening to a podcast from a pastor by the name of, of Stephen Furtick, I, I, I felt that on this first Sunday back in our building, I needed to spend some time discussing this whole statement of getting back to normal. Now, the background for our scripture begins with a man named Joseph. Joseph was one of 12 brothers. Many of you would know the story, but because of his being the favorite son of his parents, he became the target of a lot of jealousy from his siblings. And so one day they said, enough is enough. We're going to deal with this guy that mom and dad like, but we don't like. And so they sold him to some slave traders where he ended up in Egypt. The next few years were not easy for Joseph. He was falsely accused of sexual charges, thrown into jail. But over time, there in prison, they discovered his extraordinary wisdom, and and he was eventually exonerated, released from prison. And, And this is an awesome story. Many of you remember this. But 13 long years after being sold into slavery, Joseph was elevated. He was promoted to prime minister over all of Egypt. Fast forward 430 years. By now, Joseph was long gone. Different pharaohs had come and gone, and and they had no connection to Joseph nor his people, the Israelites. And, And during those 430 years, the Israelites had been multiplying like bunny rabbits. And Pharaoh began to get worried that that they would become so numerous and rise up against the Egyptians. So the Egyptians began limiting their freedoms. They forced them into slave labor. They were put under cruel slave masters. And these slave masters worked them without mercy in the hot desert sun. They established quotas for the number of bricks they had to make each day. And if they didn't meet their quotas, they were beaten. As we get the background for our lesson, it's important to understand that during this period of time, their lives were miserable. It was not just, well, I'm living for the weekend because then I can catch my breath. No. This life of slavery was a horrible existence. In fact, let's just get a little, uh, let, let's read a little bit to get, to get a glimpse. In Exodus chapter 1, verse, verse 11, I'll be reading from the New International Version today, at least part of it. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and, and they built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites, and listen, and they worked them ruthlessly. Now, I, I love doing word studies, and, and so I did a word study of that, um, that Hebrew word, ruthlessly, and I learned that in the original Hebrew script, script, it's a very harsh word. It means to break apart. It means to fracture. So, in other words, the slave masters worked the Israelites until they broke. That's what that word ruthlessly means. They worked them till they broke. Verse 14, they made their lives bitter with hard labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And in all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them. Here it is again, ruthlessly. They broke them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives whose names were Shifra and Puah, When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. So get the picture. Their lives were a miserable existence. The the Egyptians used brutality until they broke. Not to mention that when any baby boy was born, if if discovered that newly 
born baby would immediately lose his life. And so because of this terrible existence, all the Israelites could think about, all they could talk about, all they could pray about was getting out of Egypt. God, get us out of Egypt. Well, along came Moses. You remember the account. Through a series of plagues, God delivered them. The Israelites were finally on their way to the promised land, and and God was so faithful to guide them, protect them with a cloud by day, a fire by night. He was faithful to provide for them daily with manna, quail, as well as water. And you, you remember the account. Now, admittedly, traveling through the desert was not a life of ease. But it certainly was much better than being slaves. You know that, don't you? It was much better than working long, long days in the hot sun under cruel slave masters trying to keep their brick quotas up. It was certainly much better than trying to keep secret that a baby boy had been born among them. But what's so amazing to me is I studied this account. It wasn't long until they had forgotten how miserable their lives were in Egypt. In fact, about one month after they left their lives of slavery in Egypt. I mean, that's not even as long as Governor Parsons' stay-at-home order was for us. But do you know what the Israelites that had been delivered from that horrible lifestyle, you know what they began to wish for? They began to wish for the good old days. In fact, I wonder if they didn't make that same statement that we're making of, I can hardly wait until things get back to normal. Let's see how Scripture says it in Numbers chapter 11. Then the foreign rabble. You know what rabble is? I I studied that a little bit. Rabble just refers to a group of foreigners that evidently left uh, left Egypt with the Israelites. So they they were foreigners who were traveling with the Israelites, began to crave the good things of Egypt. So they began to complain. Do you know what happens when one person starts complaining? If they're not shut down? It's contagious. Did you know that your complaining, your negativity, is contagious? So they began to complain, and the people of Israel also began to complain. So again, it was contagious. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed, we remember all the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic that we wanted. And now our appetites are gone, and day after day we have nothing to eat but this manna. Now, I I found it fascinating. Did you notice the foods they were craving? They were craving fish. And I like fish on occasion, so I can understand them craving fish, especially if it was crappie. Probably wasn't crappie. Um, They were craving cucumbers. You know, I like cucumbers uh, once a year or so. Um, They they were craving melons. Now, I like if they were referring to watermelons. I I love watermelons. I could see them craving that. But but notice what else they craved, leeks. Do you know what a leek is? It's a type of onion, uh, maybe a little bit more mild than a regular onion, so that they, they craved leeks, but then they also craved the, the, the regular onions, and then they craved garlic. And, and, and Scripture doesn't say this, but I just imagine if you would have asked them about the food one month prior while they were still in Egypt, I almost guarantee you they would have said, I can hardly wait to get out of this place where we can have some real food. They had already forgotten They'd forgotten the misery of being slaves. They had forgotten the cruelty, being broken. And can you believe they had forgotten 
their baby boys being killed at birth? You know what they were saying? They were saying, I wish we could go back to what was normal. Well, their complaining got even worse. In, in Exodus 14 and 11 says, They turned against Moses and complained, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Didn't, didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying here in the wilderness? One month earlier, they hated their lives. They were praying to be delivered. But here they were, ready to go back. You know, I'm afraid we're the same way. Many of us hated our situation three months ago, you know, B.C., before Corona. But here we are ready to go back to it because that's what is familiar. Have you ever wondered why battered women go back to their abusive husbands? They hate their lifestyle. They hate the abuse. But it's all they know. That's why drug addicts go back for another fix. They hate what they've become. It's all they know. That's why we continually go back to eating habits that are killing us. We go back to schedules that are killing us. We go back to relationships that are toxic and killing us. We go back to routines that are killing us. We go back to a bottle that's killing us. We go back to pills that are killing us. We go back to websites that are killing us. We hate them, but it's all we know. And so we think it's normal. A lady three months ago talked about hating everything about her life. But the other day, she could hardly wait to get back to what she called normal, what three months ago she hated. Some of the same stuff we're wanting and praying for today is the same stuff we were trying to pray away three months ago. We've forgotten how stressed we were. We've forgotten how we crawled into bed exhausted at night, how tired we were in the morning. We've forgotten those times we wished we could just have an evening free, but it was normal. It was routine. It's all we knew. Would you please uh, turn, up, turn up your hearing aids and listen to me on this one? As our community and our state and our country slowly begin to reopen, listen, I pray we will never get back to what we call normal. Because that life that we call normal, most of the time was nothing more than a life of bondage. Bondage to busyness, bondage to stress, bondage to toxic relationships, bondage to materialism, bondage to pleasing people. It was not the life that God had called us to. I pray, I pray that we never get back to normal. Nor do we need to establish, you know, what has become the next buzz phrase. Well, we, we need to establish a new normal. That's not the answer either. Because I don't think any type of normal, old normal, new normal, is what God had in mind for us. If you study the Bible, 
You don't find Jesus' life wrapped around a bunch of routines and traditions. In fact, in ministry, Jesus rarely used the same method twice. One day he saw a blind man. He spit in the mud, took the mud, put it on the man's eyes. He was healed. On another day, he saw another blind man. This time he just touched his eyes and he was healed. On yet another day, he saw another blind man. And again, spoke the words, be healed. You know, someone said from those three methods of healing today, we would have formed three different denominations. The Mudites, the Touchites, and the Speakites. You know, we would have claimed, well, that's the way Jesus did it, so that's the way we have to do it. Jesus wasn't one to establish routines. We're the ones who do that. We establish routines that become traditions and then become sacred cows. Truthfully, we probably need to butcher some of those sacred cows. You know, in our staff meeting this past week, we talked about that. You know, as we begin to reopen, we were evaluating what does God want us to change about our ministry here? And as you read the Bible, you will find that God worked in many ways, ways that were anything but normal. There was nothing normal about speaking the words, let there be light, and light all of a sudden shining into the darkness. That wasn't normal. That there was nothing normal about stretching a staff over the sea and the sea retreating. There was nothing normal about a shepherd fighting a giant with a slingshot. Normal? Nope. There was nothing normal about three Hebrew young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego surviving a fiery furnace. There was nothing normal about Daniel being thrown into a lion's den and leaving without a scratch. There was nothing normal about the virgin birth that brought the Son of God into our world. There was nothing normal about Jesus walking on water. There was nothing normal about Jesus who was all-powerful, who could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him, yet he gave himself up willingly to his enemies so he could be crucified. That's not normal. And there was certainly nothing normal about a dead man being resurrected on the day that we call Easter. Normal? Nope. Not even close. The God of the universe has never worked through normal means. And so here's what I wonder. I wonder if God is using this horrible, contagious, life-altering virus that is not normal. And from what I understand, this virus doesn't have the normal characteristics of other viruses. It mutates, it changes. But I wonder if God is using this abnormal virus to bring us closer to what he had in mind for us all along. So how long before we get back to normal? I hope never. Never. We're living in a time when people need the gospel more than ever before. We're living during a time when a Christian is killed for their faith every six minutes. We're living in a time when nine million people will starve to death this year. And here we're saying, oh, I can hardly wait for things to get back to normal. And yes, I understand the, the longing for normalcy. I, I long for the time when this building can be full again with no rows, no seats blocked off. I long for the time when we can fill up two Sunday morning services or God blesses us, even three services. 
I long for the time when we can shake hands again <laughs> and give hugs and put our arms around each other and have a fellowship meal with 50 feet of table space full of unhealthy, artery-clogging, fattening food. I long for those days. And all of the people said, Amen. Lord, help us. But I hope we never get back to normal. And you know what? I, I, I just have a feeling that God, through the coronavirus, is in the process of answering some of our prayers. There are some of us that have been praying that God would wake us up, that God would shake us up, that he would strip us of shallowness and materialism and self-sufficiency and pride. And I just wonder if what we're going through right now is the answer to our prayers. Because many people are waking up. Many people have been stripped of their pride. You know, for us to wait in line at the dollar store before 7 o'clock in the morning for a chance to buy a roll of toilet paper, that's humbled us. And people are beginning to dig deeper into the Word. People are setting aside addictions. This past week, I was so thrilled. It's a young man who started smoking weed at the age of 13. And he told me Thursday, for the first time in nine years, he's clean. Only four days clean, but he's clean. God convicted him of it. And he said, in the past, I've, I've tried to break free because I've been pressured. He said, nobody pressured me this time. It's like God is the pressuring point. He said, I want to do this. 22 years old, he's ready to serve Jesus. But as long as our greatest goal is for everything to get back to normal, as long as our greatest goal is for everything to become routine... There's no space for faith in our lives. And so in order to reset our schedules, and so in order to reset our lives, since we didn't do it willingly, maybe, maybe God had to use a different strategy, an abnormal virus, to cause us to push reboot. So what does God want to do? If he doesn't want us to go back to what is normal, if he doesn't even want us to establish a new normal or new traditions that will govern our lives, what does God want to do? Well, as I was studying this week, I, I was struggling. I, you know, I felt so impressed that God wanted me to speak on this topic and you know, I didn't go back to my archives and bring out a sermon that I'd preached before, but I, I felt the burning, just the passion to speak on this topic. But it, it was like, okay, God, I, I, I'm stuck. I, I, I'm stuck. Uh, I, I, I need to speak on this topic, but God, if you don't want us to go back to our normal lives or even establish a new normal, what do you want? What do you want, God? Well, I'm really careful to attribute things to God because sometimes I think we blame God for a lot of stuff that he shouldn't get the blame for. But I'm convinced that in my study time last end of the week when I was starting to just really, really struggle, God led me to the scripture. And you've, you've read the scripture if you've read the Old Testament. I've read the scripture many times, but 
I, I, I didn't connect this scripture to our story today. And, and this is what God was doing for Israel, even though they didn't realize it. And this is where we jump to the book of Isaiah. Um, and again, this is connected to our scriptures in Exodus and Numbers. But in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16, here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, you know, a path through the mighty waters, referring back to this whole account of Israel, leaving Egypt, passing through the Red Sea, who drew out the chariots and the horses, you know, drew them out of Egypt so that could take them into the Red Sea and have the water rush over them, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And then here's what we need to do. Man, I'm glad God showed me this scripture. Verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. In other words, quit wishing that things would get back to normal. Don't long for what you call the good old days. You ready for this? This is a nugget of gold. This is a boulder of gold. Goes on and says, see, I am doing a new thing. God wants us to come out of this crisis with new priorities. New family priorities new godly priorities. He wants us to establish some new schedules, and some of you families, you need to listen to this. You know, someone said that the problem with a rat race is that even if you win, you're still a rat. He doesn't want us to be enslaved to busyness. How about a new schedule that would give us, give our kids plenty of opportunities for fun and sports, yet not be slaves to those things? Many of us worship those things. God brought all of that to a halt. He took away that God. I believe God wants us to do, wants to do something new with our finances. You know, Dave Ramsey said, debt is dumb. Normal is broke. So we need to get back to biblical financial principles, whereas John Wesley said, make all we can, give all we can, save all we can, instead of just spend all we can. Let's also let God do a new thing in our church. I don't want to get back to what was normal in our church. I don't want to do what we've always done. And, and, and again, in our discussion in staff meeting, yet I, I'm ready for God to do a new thing. And if we have to slaughter, butcher, sacrifice some sacred cows, so be it. But I want God to do a new thing in our church. I want God to use me in a fresh way, maybe a different way. And if, if that means turning some things upside down here at this church, and again, butchering some sacred cows, if God is behind it, so be it. I want God to do something new. I don't want to get back to normal. And I want God to do something new with you as well. I want to see you loving Jesus. I want to see you being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I, I want to see you loving others as much as you love yourself. So instead of longing for what was normal, let's long for something new, something fresh, 
something directed by God, something fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so this next week, I want to challenge you to pray that God would do something new in your life and something new in our church. And you know what? I give you permission to pray that God would do something new in the life of your pastor and your staff. When will we get back to normal? I hope never. I want God to do something new. Can we make that our prayer today? Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you've blessed us with your word that gives us instructions. God, as our as our state begins to reopen, Lord, we're, we're anxious for some routine. We're, we're eager for some routine. But Father, I pray that in that routine, we would not just have business as usual, that you would do something new, something fresh, something anointed. God, I pray for our families. Lord, some of our, our, our families are so exhausted, especially the summertime, running to ball practices and activities. And God, I, I pray that we would provide those opportunities for our children without sacrificing our families. Lord, I pray that you would establish some new priorities within us that would be God-centered, God-oriented. Lord, here in this church, do something new. And Lord, I pray that there would be the day that this building and all the buildings here in El Dorado Springs that honor God, I pray that they would be filled to capacity with people crying out for God. And Lord, people that are getting rid of their addictions, people that are digging into the Word, people that are praying that we would have prayer warriors, Lord, people that, that are there loving their neighbors, themselves, and loving God. And Lord, I pray that you would do that within us and in our community. Thank you again, Father, for blessing us today. We love you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.